Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. It is cold outside. Yes, even here in Tampa Bay, it was 47 degrees when I woke up this morning, which I know is not that cold compared to a lot of you in the Northern Hemisphere right now, but it's definitely cold to us. And when there is a chill in the air, to me, that means soup time. It is soup season and I love a good soup, but a bad soup is, well, It's a bad soup. So today I want to share with you my secrets for making a super flavorful soup. Does cooking feel like a struggle more often than you want to admit? Do school lunches get boring after the third week and even cereal for breakfast sometimes feels like too much effort? let alone feeding yourself and your family meals with vegetables they'll actually eat? If you're a busy mama like me, you can probably relate. I'm Chris Dovniak, and welcome to My Healthy Mama Kitchen. I'm a trained chef, culinary nutritionist, and mama of two, and I'm here to guide you in making healthy eating easy and accessible by simplifying your meal plan, demystifying meal prep, taking the stress out of weeknight dinners, and helping you learn to cook your family delicious, nutrient-dense meals along the way, without spending hours in the kitchen or thousands of dollars a month at Whole Foods. In this podcast, I'm here to share my best tips, tools, and hacks for your real-life Healthy Mama kitchen with a side of humor and sometimes a little bit of spice. So grab your favorite apron and let's get cooking. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to let you know that there is a link in the show notes to get a clickable list of my favorite soup recipes delivered to your inbox. So click the link in the show notes so you can grab that list and start enjoying some delicious soups this week. I shared an episode on making soup way back in 2021, and with how cold it's been here and how many soups we've been making, I just sent my daughter with some leftover chicken tortilla soup for sailing this morning because she is layered up in like four different layers because it is going to be cold on the water. I knew that I wanted to bring this topic back to all of you because I love soup, but I've heard from so many of you that your family just doesn't like soup because they find it kind of bland or boring. So I want to change that today. We actually recently started a series in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club called On the Fly, where I am sharing with you how to turn 
a bunch of random ingredients from your fridge into a delicious meal and the components that you need to create a delicious meal from whatever you have on hand. And this is taking a very similar concept. Soup is one of those things that as long as you have your base ingredients, you can really mix and match. You can create so many different combinations with just some vegetables and some broth, maybe some meat or some beans and create a really delicious flavorful meal once you know what you need and how to layer those flavors. So that's what I want to share with you all today. So let's talk about different types of soup for a second. There are two main types of soup. There are your thick soups and your thin soups. There's also cold soups like azpacho, but we're not going there today. <laughs> so we're just going to talk about your hot soups today. And within those two main types of soup, there is a huge variety, but the most common are your thin soups are typically your broth-based soups. Sometimes it's broth, sometimes it's bouillon or consomme if you are getting fancy, which is a double-strained broth like in Vietnamese pho. It's also used in a lot of French cooking as well. And then you have your thick soups. So these are your cream soups, your puree soups, your chowders, and your bisque. Now there is quite a bit of variety within these type of soups. I don't think we need to get into super big detail. Essentially your cream soups are cream-based, your pureed soups are a soup that you cook down and then puree. They might have cream, they might not. Your chowder is going to be a thick soup that's usually prepared with milk or cream or a roux to thicken. Oftentimes it's both. And then either seafood or vegetables, so like your clam chowder or your corn chowder. So it's a creamy soup, but it has some texture in it. And then your bisque is a creamy, usually cream-based seafood soup that is typically pureed for that really velvety texture. Now, most of us, I think, on a weeknight are not making a lovely lobster bisque, as delicious as it is. Today, I just kind of want to give you those general definitions of broth-based versus your thick soups to get you to start thinking when you do want to create a soup, what am I going for? Am I going for a creamy soup? Am I going for a pureed soup like your tomato soup? Am I going for a broth-based soup like chicken soup? So when you do want to make a soup, your first step is what type of soup do I want to make? What am I looking for? This can be based on what you have on hand. If you have some cans of tomato on hand, you can probably whip together a quick tomato soup. If you have some leftover chicken, maybe some carrot, celery, and onion, then you can throw together an easy chicken soup. So kind of consider what you have on hand and what type of soup you want to make. And that's kind of where you want to start. Now, if you're starting from zero, you just want to put some soups on the menu this week. Maybe you're looking for a certain recipe. That's the first place to start. What type of soup do I want to make? And then you can start looking up recipes based on that type. So first consider what you love about soup. What type of soups do you like and what do you want to make? Now let's talk about how we make a deliciously satisfying soup. Now, number one, this is if you're not going off of a recipe, you're just using what you have on hand. You want to decide on your base, which in this case is your broth, and we'll talk more about broth in a minute, and your main and supporting ingredients. What do you want the star of your soup to be? If it's chicken soup, we're going to keep using that as a very simple example of a broth-based soup, then what is the star of your soup? It's your chicken. And what outcome are you looking for? This is a broth-based soup. So we want a really flavorful soup where that chicken really stands out and leaves you wanting more. So your base for this soup is hopefully going to be 
chicken broth because that is going to complement the main. You always want your base to complement the main. The main is that chicken in your chicken soup or in the case of a pureed soup, your tomatoes, if we're going to use the example of tomato soup for the pureed soup, are going to be your main ingredient. And then figure out what your supporting ingredients are going to be. So you want to know what type of soup you want to make, what outcome are you looking for? Are you looking for a cream-based soup or a broth-based soup? What is your base and your main based on what you have or based on what you want to make? Then we can talk about supporting ingredients. So with most soups, there's going to be some sort of a mirepoix or sofrito to start. So this is the beginning of your aromatics. So your aromatics are ingredients that build the base of flavor in your recipe. Mirepoix is a two to one ratio of onion to carrots and celery. So two parts onion, one part carrot, one part celery, all finely diced. It's really important, especially with the base of your soup, that everything is chopped to the same size. This is for a couple reasons. For mouthfeel, so that you don't have like one giant piece of carrot and one tiny piece of onion. You want them about the same size unless you're going for that effect. If you want to have those big carrot rings in your soup, totally fine. Just consider that they are going to take more time to cook than the onions. So you might consider putting them in a little bit later. So sauteing the celery and the carrots together, adding in those carrot circles <laughs> afterwards once the water is boiling and making sure that they're done before you serve it. The reason why you generally want the items in your dish to be cut to the same size is so they cook at the same rate. So you don't have one hard piece of carrot and the rest of your vegetables are soft. So frito is very similar to mirepoix in that it is also a base for recipes. Sometimes it's soup, sometimes it's stew, sometimes it's a sauce. So this is made in a lot of different styles of cooking. So you have your Italian sofrito, which is a very finely diced mix of onions, carrots, and celery. And it's cooked really slowly in olive oil or butter before adding in the remaining ingredients. So no matter what type of soup you're making, you always want to start with some sort of oil and you add in your aromatics and let them cook down to maximize their flavor. Let them caramelize a little bit. These are your aromatics. This is the base of your flavor. So your supporting ingredients are always going to start with your mirepoix or your sofrito. In Latin American and Spanish cooking, your sofrito is typically going to be onions and peppers. Again, you want to cook this down really slowly. I cannot emphasize enough this base flavor aspect of your soup. You do not want to rush. Let it cook. You will have way more flavor in your soup if you give it that time for those flavors, those aromatics to develop. So your supporting ingredients are always going to start with that base, your mirepoix, your sofrito, and then you can consider what other supporting ingredients you want to use. So if it's a chicken soup, I love adding leeks to that mix. So I still use my mirepoix, but I start by sweating my leeks first to add to that depth of flavor because a chicken soup in and of itself doesn't have a whole lot of flavor. 
Hopefully your chicken has some flavor to it, but simply shredded chicken or chicken pulled off the bone is, it's going to have, hopefully if you cooked it well, it's going to have some flavor to it, but we really want to enhance the flavor of that chicken with a really good broth. We really want that base to be super tasty. So we are building on those flavors by starting with that mirepoix, adding in those leeks, and then we can consider if we want to add something else to it, like noodles, or if we want to add in some greens. Once we know the supporting ingredients we want to add in, in addition to those base supporting ingredients, like your mirepoix, those flavor builders, then we can consider the order we are going to put them in. So we've decided on our base, which is some sort of a broth, and we want to take into consideration the main. So these kind of happen in tandem. What is the main star of your soup? Is it going to be a vegetable or I guess a fruit vegetable like tomatoes? Is it going to be a meat? Is it going to be a bean? What is the star of your soups and what is your base? So if it's a veggie based soup, you could use a veggie broth. If it is a chicken soup, you can use a chicken stock or a chicken broth. Same thing with beef. So what is your base? What is your main star? And what are your supporting ingredients? Depending on the feel that you're going for in your soup will determine what base you want to start with. Do you want to start with a mirepoix? Do you want to start with a sofrito? So mirepoix versus sofrito, the Italian version of sofrito, is not that different in soups unless you're working at a high-end restaurant or you really, really want that depth of flavor from those aromatics. I say for the most part, you're probably just starting with that carrot, celery, and onion, that two parts onion, one part carrot, one part celery, sweating that or sauteing that. The difference is really just the amount of steam that's released. You're going to get more depth of flavor with sauteing, with sweating, you're releasing some steam. So you're really just releasing some of those aromatic flavors, those aromatic compounds. Sweating is just done at a lower temperature. Then sauteing, it's typically what you're going to do at the start of your soup. This is always cooked in some sort of oil. And then you can consider what other aromatics you want to add to it as well based on the cuisine you're going for. So are you going to add in some garlic? Are you going to add in some ginger? And then what are the other ingredients, those other supporting ingredients you want to add in? And then consider when you are going to add those ingredients in. So I like to call this the body of your soup. You know your main ingredients and you know your supporting ingredients. We've talked about adding those aromatics in first. You're going to sweat or saute those aromatics in first. So your mirepoix or your sofrito, add in any garlic or ginger. That is also the point where you would add in any sort of tomato paste or spices that you want to toast a little bit to release some of that flavor from. You add in that tomato paste if you want a tomato-based soup because it, it removes some of that acidity and allows that tomato paste to caramelize lightly. And with spices, it really brings out the flavor to just toast them for 30 seconds or so. Mix them with the oil. This will help those aromatic compounds in the spices to release. A rule of thumb that is so important is that any dried spices or herbs are going to go in at the beginning and any of your fresh herbs will go in at the end. This also goes for your heartier, woodier herbs like your thyme and your rosemary and your sage. Those will typically go in 
at the beginning of cooking or closer to the beginning of cooking. And then your basil, your parsley, your cilantro, that will either go as a garnish or towards the end of your cooking. In the case of my chicken tortilla soup I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I add in a quarter cup of chopped cilantro right at the end for some brightness. You're going to lose the flavor if you add those ingredients in too early. And if you add in the dried herbs too late, they're going to taste kind of stale. You're not going to have that depth of flavor. They need time to rehydrate and for those aromatic compounds to release. So you've got your aromatics going. You've added in any spices or tomato paste or anything that you need to toast for a little bit to open up those flavors. We know what our main and our supporting ingredients are. We don't want to just throw them in. And it's also really important to note here as well what I said earlier about cutting our ingredients to a texture that is pleasing to enjoy. So if we are going to puree the soup, this doesn't matter so much in terms of mouthfeel. We'll talk about mouthfeel for cream soups or pureed soups in a minute. But when it comes to soups that are like a vegetable-based soup or a meat-based soup, we want our ingredients cut to about the same size unless you're going for a different effect. But we want to consider how long they're going to take to cook as well. If it's a pureed soup, then we just want them all to cook about the same rate so that everything is cooked before we puree it. For any of our soups that are more broth-based, but they have that vegetable element in it, we want to make sure they're cut about the same size and they are cut in a way that's easy for us to consume. We don't want like half a head of broccoli in the middle of our soup, unless you're going to turn it into broccoli cheddar soup. Um, Well, of course, even then, if you're not pureeing it, you want those pieces to be bite-sized. The goal is bite-sized. The goal is to get multiple ingredients in the soup on your spoon at once. If you can only fit that piece of broccoli on your spoon and nothing else, that's all you're going to get in that bite. You want your bite to be filled with a variety of ingredients. So consider that when you are cutting your ingredients. It might take you a couple extra minutes to cut everything down to a small size, but I promise you, you are going to get a better outcome. It's going to be more flavorful because you are going to have multiple flavors in those bites. So mouthfeel matters and cook time matters when it comes to cutting your ingredients. And then when we are going to go ahead and add our ingredients in, we have our base of flavor and then we want to add in our broth. We're just going to take a minute to hear from this week's sponsors. It's the new year and we're all thinking about new routines and habits. I've shared this before and I'll share it again. The hardest, hardest habit for me is drinking enough water. To be perfectly honest right now, I'm recording this first thing in the morning and I still haven't had my water. But what I did do was make sure to refill my AquaTrue water filter so it is filtering water as we speak so I can go and fill up my huge 40 ounce water bottle and sip that throughout the day. I am always looking for more ways to make drinking water easier so I don't even have to think about it. It's why I got that giant 40 ounce water cup and it's why I'm obsessed with my AquaTrue countertop water filter. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing 
I put it together 100% by myself with my kids watching, and it removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. PFAs are found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water, and I'm grateful that AquaTrue is certified to remove these contaminants. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, no changing filters every two to three months. AquaTrue filters last from six months to two years, which is super convenient. It's even portable, which is perfect for renters like us or for college dorms. Not to mention, the water actually tastes so good, I find myself actually wanting to drink more water. I can truly taste a difference compared with previous water filters, and let me tell you, it makes the best coffee ever. And it makes me feel good knowing my family is drinking clean water free of contaminants as well. We always fill my kids' water bottles up before they head off for any activities with AquaTrue filtered water. And because I know if you're like me and you want to make sure you're making the right purchases for your family, AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code HEALTHYMAMA at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use code Healthy mama. Let's talk about broth for a second. The broth is the base to your soup. I want you to consider the type of broth or stock you are using for your soup. Your soup is only as good as your broth. Please do not use water as the base for your soup. Some recipes will tell you you can use water in place of broth and where you can from a liquid standpoint, you want something that has a ton of flavor. Now, I love making my own homemade broth. It's super easy to make in the slow cooker after I cook a whole chicken. I add in any of my any of the chicken carcass and any of my leftover scraps that I've used during the week from vegetables. I always make sure there's onion, carrots, and celery, that mirepoix, though it doesn't have to be diced for this. You can toss it all in the slow cooker or the instant pot. I add in any herbs I have on hand, typically some thyme and some parsley. I add in a couple cloves of garlic. I fill it to the top with water, and then I let that simmer overnight, strain it in the morning, and then I freeze anything that I don't use that week, and I have broth on hand all the time. So I call this bone broth. There is a difference between stock and broth. What's most important is that whatever you are using as the base for your soup is flavorful and you enjoy the flavor. You don't necessarily need to want to drink it on its own, but you do need to like the flavor. So experiment with a couple different types of broths or stocks if you're not making your own homemade. And I will link my homemade recipe down below in the show notes. The other thing I want you to consider is how much sodium that broth has in it. All of my soups that I create, I create using low sodium broth only because it's really, really important that you are able to control the seasoning in your soup. We already talked about adding in the dry herbs first and the fresh herbs last. It's also really important that you season as you go with soups, just like you would with any other dish. Now, there is pretty much always going to be sodium in your soup unless you're making that homemade. 
but you don't want it to be so salty that all you taste is salt. With any recipe that you are making, you want to start seasoning at the first ingredient and season a little bit when you're adding any component as you go. This is called layering seasoning, okay? Layering salt. Especially if you're going to add in an additional salty ingredient, so like some Parmesan cheese, something like that, you want that base to be somewhat neutral so that you can build upon that flavor. If the broth is salty, but the other ingredients aren't seasoned, unless you're simmering that soup all day, your soup is going to still taste a little bit bland. It might taste salty, but the point of salt is not to make your food taste salty. It's to make your food, make the ingredients in your food taste more like themselves. It's to enhance the flavor of your food. So if you've been using whatever stock or broth you can find at the grocery store, I want to encourage you to experiment, try a couple different broths, switch to low sodium, and start layering those seasonings. So adding a little bit to your mirepoix when you're cooking your mirepoix, adding in that broth, And then when you add in those additional ingredients, adding just a little bit and taste as you go. A really important tasting note is that things taste more salty when they are cooler and less salty when they are hotter. So make sure when you are going to taste your soup that you are letting it cool before you taste it. Because what can happen is you're just adding salt, adding salt, adding salt. When I say adding salt, you're adding a little bit as you go, if you're continuously adding salt and just tasting it quickly and moving on, then once your soup cools down enough that you can actually eat it, it's all of a sudden too salty. So just a little bit as you go, you can add salt, but you can't take it away. You can add in a little bit of acidity or more ingredients if you do accidentally add more salt. So you can water it down a little bit, but that's pretty much all you can do if you add too much salt. It's hard to take that away. So a little bit as you go. So I encourage you to use a low sodium or no sodium broth so you can build that seasoning yourself. You want the flavors of the ingredients in your soup, of the herbs, of the aromatics, of your main and supporting ingredients to come out. You don't want it to just taste salty. So back to our process. We've started by sweating or sauteing our base aromatics And then we went and added in any sort of spices or tomato paste. This is also where you would add in your roux to thicken as well. And then you're adding in your broth. And typically, you are going to wait for that broth to simmer before adding in your next stage of ingredients. So typically, this is going to be your vegetables, your protein, so your meat, your beans, Maybe you're adding in some potatoes or sweet potatoes. So you're adding in any of the ingredients. Typically, your recipe says, or if you are making this completely from scratch, this is the time where you can add in your vegetables and your proteins. The only things you're not adding in now are any of these starches that are pre-cooked that you want to add in at the end because otherwise they will overhydrate. So pre-cooked rice, barley farro, pasta, orzo, any of that goes in at the end 
You can simmer it into the broth for a few minutes so it really melds with those flavors, but you don't want them in your broth for however long you're simmering because they will overhydrate. The other thing you don't want to add in right now is any leafy greens because they will become not a great texture if you put them in too early. So again, those go in at the end. Now, if you are cooking a grain with the soup, then you would add that in then but follow the directions. Typically, I recommend cooking any of those separately, again, so they don't overhydrate and absorb too much of that liquid. They can get overly salty if your broth is salted as well. So typically for most recipes, I recommend cooking on the side and adding in after. Your pasta, you will pretty much always add in at the end. Same thing with greens. You might be adding in some additional herbs at this point as well. So this could be some dried herbs or it could be your rosemary or your thyme or your sage. Oftentimes those are sauteed in just after the aromatics as well. Like I mentioned, toasting the spices. Sometimes they're adding it added in after, depending on the recipe, maybe a bay leaf. This is when you would add in any of those to simmer in with the additional ingredients. Make sure the soup is simmering before you add in those ingredients so they start cooking right away. And you don't need to overboil your soup. If you overboil your soup, then first of all, you're going to lose a ton of liquid. And second of all, you can make your meat really tough and overcook your vegetables. And that is not going to be a great texture. You want your vegetables, you want your meat to be soft and your beans to be soft, and you want your vegetables to still have some bite to them. You want them to be soft, but you want to be able to feel that texture. If your soup, unless it's a pureed soup, if it doesn't have any texture to it, it's not going to be super exciting and inviting to the mouth. That being said, simmer don't boil, but the longer that you simmer, the more flavorful your soup will become. So the longer that you can let your soup simmer at a lower temperature, the better. More flavor will develop the longer it's allowed to simmer. Now you can hack this a little bit by using the instant pot. The pressure will help to enhance that flavor a little bit or the slow cooker as well. And same rules apply with the slow cooker in terms of waiting till the end to add in any of your grains, your starches, and then your greens, you would add those in at the end. Now, I do have to mention, there are some wildcard soups, like my roasted tomato soup, where you don't necessarily have to simmer it for a really long time to get a ton of flavor. With my winter tomato soup, the flavor is coming from roasting a head of garlic in an onion in the oven. So getting the depth of flavor from there, and then you are pureeing that with some fire roasted tomatoes from a can. You have a, an incredibly flavorful soup and it didn't necessarily simmer for a long time, but there was still that time factor in roasting the onion and the garlic until they were soft and caramelized and adding that with the pre-fire roasted tomatoes. So you don't necessarily need to wait two hours for your soup to be delicious, but it is considering how can we add more depth of flavor. Maybe we cook that mirepoix or that sofrito a little bit longer to get more depth of flavor. Maybe we make sure we are toasting those spices. We're seasoning as we go. We are making sure each component of the soup is packed with flavor and seasoned well. We're using a really great base 
those things are going to matter for the flavor profile of your soup or you add in an element like something that's been roasted that will add a different texture and a different flavor. Once your soup has been simmering and your ingredients are cooked, it's time to add in any of your finishers. So you can add in any of those grains or starches, those greens, let them simmer for a few minutes to allow those flavors to meld. This is also the time you would add in your cream. If it is a pureed-based soup, I recommend waiting until the soup is mostly pureed to puree in the cream. Make sure that your soup has cooled down a bit before you add in the cream or the milk. You don't want it to curdle, so wait till it's cooled down a bit. Another tip is you can lightly warm the milk before you add it in. If you're going to be adding milk into your soup, typically I do cream or half and half to add some creaminess to a soup. You do not need to add it. Like your chicken soup doesn't need to have cream in it. You can also use coconut cream in place of, in place of a dairy cream in a cream-based soup as well or a creamy soup as well. Um, just make sure you are warming that first. I'm talking mostly about broth-based and puree-based soups here. We're not really going into chowders and bisques and things like that. Uh, if you have any specific questions on those, come into the cooking club, ask me over there, ask me on Instagram. I can give you some tips, but I kind of wanted to go over the basic types of soup. So for the most part, you're going to be adding in that cream or that milk at the end. Let it cool a bit or warm them up first. If your soup tastes a bit under seasoned, my biggest recommendation is to add in a bit of acid before adding in more salt. Remember, we want to layer that salt so all of the components of our dish are well seasoned. If you just dump in a bunch of salt at the end, it's just going to taste salty. Sometimes what our dish needs or what our soup needs is a little bit of brightening from some acid. So squeeze in a little bit of lemon juice or a little bit of lime juice, like at the end of my chicken tortilla soup, adding in that bit of lime juice really just brightens that soup and adds a depth of flavor. At that point, after you've tasted it, if it feels like it needs a little bit of something, then you might want to add in a little bit more seasoning. But again, you can add it in, but you can't take it away. So just a little bit at a time until it is seasoned to taste. And then at this point, once your soup is done, you can add some toppings. Remember the three foundations of flavor. It's not just about taste. It's about taste, texture, and temperature. Something that can really take your soup from a good soup to a great soup is some really delicious toppings. Let's use that chicken tortilla soup for an example again. It's a hot soup with a little bit of spice to it, so adding some sour cream on top for a cooling effect. If you want it a little bit spicier, you can add some chopped jalapenos on top. And then I love adding, of course, the crispy tortilla strips so you get a little bit of crunch with that soft soup. There's also several different textures within the soup as well. There's some beans, there's some corn, there's some vegetables, there's the chicken. So remember that flavor is more than just taste. You have your taste, but you also have your texture and your temperature. So having a contrasting something with a contrasting temperature on top or a contrasting texture to your soup can add a ton of flavor. And this doesn't necessarily have to be on top of the soup. This can be on the side too. So my winter roasted tomato soup recipe, I oftentimes pair with a 
crispy, crunchy, slightly salty pesto grilled cheese on the side. It complements the tomato so well. And you have that little bit of crunch, that little bit of cheesiness to go with that bright tomato soup. It is so good in the middle of the winter. So last but not least, consider how you can round out that flavor considering taste, texture, and temperature with some finishers as well. If it's a cream-based soup or a puree-based soup, I should say, you're going to want to puree it. I recommend a high-speed blender, making sure you're releasing the steam occasionally so that you're not blowing anything up. (laughs) That steam builds. It can explode your blender, so release some of that steam. Blend slowly or use an immersion blender. I love my immersion blender. You can get one really inexpensively on Amazon and then top with anything you might want to, whether it is a broth-based soup or a cream-based soup, top or pair with something that complements the soup. So let's sum it all up really quick so you can make the most delicious soup. You want to decide what type of soup do you want to make? Do you want to make a thin broth-based soup? Do you want to make a thicker puree cream-based soup? Or maybe you want to go and make a chowder or a bisque. Consider what you love about soup, what kind of soup you want to make. You either find a recipe or you can make a soup very easily from scratch based on the steps I gave you today. Decide on your base and your main. These go together. So what type of broth? Remember, we're going to use a low-sodium broth so we can build our own seasoning, so we can layer our own seasoning. What is going to be your main, your star, and what are your supporting ingredients going to be? Start with those aromatics. Sweat them in oil or butter, typically oil. If you want to add butter, typically in a roux, I add that a little bit later because you don't want this to burn. Then you're going to work on the body of your soup. You're going to add in your broth, bring that to a simmer, Add in your main ingredients and your supporting ingredients, saving any of those grains and greens for the end. Remember when you're preparing those supporting ingredients that mouthfeel matters and cook time matters. So it's all cooking about the same rate. Make sure you are seasoning as you go. Those dry herbs go in at the beginning. Those fresh herbs go in at the end. Simmer. Don't boil. Let it simmer as long as you can or hack it with the Instant Pot or the slow cooker. And then add in any of those finishers at the end, add in your grains, add in your greens, add in any cream, puree it, and then add any toppings or side to really enhance the flavor. If you take these tips into consideration, especially the tips on seasoning and broth and the size of the ingredients you're adding in, I promise you your soups are going to be so much better. I hope you found this episode helpful. Check the show notes to get a clickable list of my favorite soup recipes delivered to your inbox. If you found this and other episodes helpful, I would be so grateful if you subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss another episode. If you could rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you all, we need some good reviews on Spotify. If you find this podcast helpful, I would so, so appreciate a five-star review. It would mean the world if you took a second and let me know you're enjoying the content over here. And I will continue to bring you more episodes that help you to become a better cook, to create meals that are more delicious, and save time and energy making meals for 
your family. I want to help you take the stress out of meals and make them more delicious as well. As always, you can find me over on Instagram at Healthy Mama Chris or in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon, where I share a ton of recipes, including a ton of exclusive soup recipes you can't find anywhere else. That's over at patreon.com slash Healthy Mama Chris. That's what I have for you all today. I hope you guys are staying warm wherever you are in the world. Until next time, happy cooking. Thank you for listening to Mommy's Podcast. Friend, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Healthy Mama Kitchen Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you love to listen to podcasts. You never miss a cooking tip. If you've been loving this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It truly makes a difference in how many other busy cooks find this show and lets me know what you're loving and want to hear more of. For show notes and links to all the recipes and tools I mention, head to HealthyMamaChris.com slash podcast. For daily eats, cooking tips, and family-friendly shortcut dinner ideas, be sure to follow along over on Instagram at HealthyMamaChris. Remember, cooking for your family may not always feel easy, but it can be simple.